Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I was expecting it to look a bit shite, but you don't. Well, you're the first person to say that today. Why do you look bad? Do I look what fat? Like no bad. Do people? Keep oh commenting? well, people have just said, "Oh, you look terrible," and which is always nice to hear. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I am your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by the usual two suspects. Uh, one of them's fixing himself, so I'll go to the other. Vito Doria is with me. Hello, Vito. How are you down in Australia? Hello, uh, Connor. I'm feeling uh, probably the best I have been in quite a while. Um, uh, later tonight, Australian time we're out of lockdown and uh, for us it's a great relief and uh, just a shame uh, that I'm hearing news that on the other side of the world things are flaring up again so I'm hoping everyone in Europe can sort of pull through once again and uh, fight off uh, this uh, pandemic as best as possible but uh, from a personal point of view I think uh, here in Victoria especially in Melbourne I think uh, there'll be a lot of uh, relieved people. Yeah, and from one extreme to the other, I suppose, because Kev Fogzelski is feeling under the weather and appears to have symptoms. Kev, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm here minus my sense of taste and smell, which is uh, and you've brought a cough I'm, along uh, with you as well and a fever. Yeah, yeah, I've got a, I've had a high temperature. I've got a cough, which I'll try not to transmit on the uh, pod too frequently. Please. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, the loss of sense of smell and I suppose, so I suppose we have been dealing with it. What's the situation then? Have you been, have you gone and had a, a COVID test? I've gone and had a, a COVID test this evening. So in the next 24 hours, I'll find out if I'm 
positive or whatever and having to quarantine and a bit like when you're in your younger days you've got to phone people up and tell them they've been infected and <laughs> I don't know what type of phone calls you have to make in your younger days Kev but not all of our listeners are the same but I'm sure our listeners will um will join with us and keeping our fingers crossed for you that hopefully it's just a seasonal flu or something like that or worst case scenario you pull through everything and you'll be all right so I suppose we're here to talk about the football Kev aren't we not about your health unfortunately as much as I would love to do that and we will do that when we finish recording there's there's been quite a lot of action in Serie A this weekend the reason we're coming to you guys a little bit later than usual is because Lega Serie A I mean they put the biggest game of the weekend on a Monday night so what do you expect us to do Milan played Roma Milan hosted Roma and it finished 3-3 this trend of Goals, 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 and Serie A continued this evening. Um, and it was a bit of a chaotic game, Vito, wasn't it? Oh, it certainly was. It was a game where we did have our share of goals, but uh, it was certainly a controversial one. And I think that's largely due to the refereeing performance of uh, Giacomelli. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Lazio fans went on to Google to criticise his... Uh, uh, Cafe in Trieste after a poor refereeing performance against their team. And I think now, um, I think both sides, the Rossoneri more so in this game, can feel aggrieved that uh, Giacomelli made some very poor decisions throughout this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at two stills from the images themselves because when they happened, I kind of thought they're not penalties. The, the penalty that Roma were given first, Kev, which we should say, happened in the 71st minute and it was converted by Jordan Veratou to make it 2-2. Then Milan were given one six minutes later or so and Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored it. But the one on Pedro, I can kind of see why that was given, but I don't think it was a penalty. The one for the foul by, I say foul, the coming together between Mancini and Chalanoglu, I cannot understand why that was given whatsoever. It was just two terrible decisions, really, wasn't it? Yeah, they were they were two terrible decisions. And I think the um the first one that resulted in the Roman penalty I I'm I'm convinced it's why the second one gets given. Mm. Um but what I found more unusual was that they didn't even go and consult the uh the screens at the side of the pitch for the for the Pedro one, it, almost as if the referee didn't want to even consider that he might have got it got it wrong. He was he seemed relatively, um, uh, you know, happy to give it, you know, without kind of going and using the the uh, facilities available to him. Our Alistair McKenzie described that second penalty decision as being one of the most blatant balancing out penalties you'll ever see, and. He's got a point there, right? That second penalty is not given if the first one was. No, absolutely. I, I just, yeah, yeah. You know, we we talk about we talk about a lot of the time wasted uh, on use the use of VAR almost being as tedious as you know the the marginal decisions. Yet here we are discussing the flip side of that where the official hasn't bothered to use it whatsoever when you know I'm not saying it would definitely have, have, have changed his mind but it, 
we probably wouldn't be so scathing of him, at least if he showed willing to use the, the technology available. Vito, I know you're someone who likes goals in games, but I, I tend to like them as well. But I couldn't help but think that this game was was actually quite poor. A lot of a lot of people online seem to be saying how it was a great advert for Serie A. I thought the exact opposite. I, I felt that the goals came through incompetence more so than than being crafted out. Yeah, this time I have to agree. I, if we look at other games this season so far, that would be adverts for Italian football. I thought something like Inter's four three win against Fiorentina would have fitted that more suitably. Whereas with this game. Before finding out, um, well, after finding out that Gianluigi Donnarumma contracted the coronavirus, or at least got a positive result, I just thought with the goalkeeping situation and Roma having had problems since Allison left, to be honest, I thought uh, something could go on here. And uh, what we did witness was uh, some uh, poor goalkeeping and... Uh, Cyprian Tatarusanu, I think, had an absolutely shocking game. You'd think a goalkeeper with his height could be able to deal with those aerial balls. And uh, I felt that, uh, aside from uh, Giacomelli's decision-making, I think Roma can be grateful that Tatarusanu played in goal instead of Donnarumma because um, those corners should have been dealt with much better by the Rossoneri and by Tatarusanu specifically. It's interesting we make the point about 3-3 and that you almost automatically expect it to be one of the you know the better games of either the weekend or maybe sometimes the season. But I think the actual excitement here comes from the poor decisions. Well, as I was watching this, because I was doing the um, the, the player ratings, I've, I, I think what drove it home to me how probably, not I was going to use the term mediocre, just how flat this game was in a lot of places was, was there was there was so many players where very little to sort of highlight about their contribution to the game. Salamaka scores a goal, and I think on my player ratings, I've literally put if he hadn't given Milan the lead for the second time in the game, you would have forgotten what else he had contributed. And the the one of the only other two games that I watched in full live um, over the weekend was the one that you were at, Connor, the Sassuolo Torino. And after that, I found, I know it was extremely difficult, and we'll get on to the, the weather, um, but just those four goals in nine minutes made you feel like, was this one of the best games I'd seen this year? And actually, it wasn't. And, and, and Milan-Roma tonight was a bit like that. You just, just reflect on the scoreline, and actually, if you've watched it back live, it was yeah, pretty but bad. I don't know, even because the Sassuolo ones, with the exception of probably Belotti for Torino second, all of them were were created and were forced through by genuinely good attacking play. Whereas tonight, it just seemed like they couldn't miss the chances. Like the first goal that either side scored is are two examples of the worst pieces of goalkeeping you'll see this season. And I, I don't think that's hyperbolic to say that both goalkeepers, Vito mentioned Tatarasanu, but at the other end as well, Mirante. That was dreadful goalkeeping, and. It, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too negative, but so we'll, we'll move on to some positives because Vito Rafael Leao was actually quite impressive, and he is really, really, really coming along since being partnered by Ibrahimovic. I suppose at Milan. Well, if we're gonna 
Well, first in generalities, I think on that left flank, uh, AC Milan are looking quite strong now because Ante Rebic hasn't featured recently, but uh, Rafael Leal, whenever he's been on the left, he's actually been quite a threat. And in this particular game, I thought he was uh, one of Milan's best, if not Milan's best player. He was involved in the first goal and he was also involved in the second. So he's really growing in confidence. And uh, he's a tall guy, but he's got a lot of pace on him. And uh, he's a very competent dribbler. So he does add a bit of uh, excitement to Milan's play too. So um, I'm really glad that he's starting to really settle in and also become decisive. It's easy for young players to dazzle and uh, pull out a few tricks and all that but if they can make uh, a contribution to the school and uh, become productive in that aspect then uh, I think it's great for the development as footballers as they get older. Kev, I'm so, I know I tried to get away from the negativity but I kind of have to go back to it because aside from Leao there wasn't much, I mean Calabria was okay in possession, maybe not so much without it, but was this a game that was played out between two teams that aren't as good as their early season form is suggesting? I think you're going to have a bit of a dip. I think they can still, you know, reach higher levels than this. It was just, it was just rather pedestrian, and you wonder whether that's come from, you know, Milan have obviously had to go through some additional Europa League rounds. Um, they're both coming back off of, uh, did Roma travel away? I know uh, Milan went to Celtic, but I can't now remember if Roma were away in midweek. So, um, you know, it's at the back end of a, back end of a, a weekend, the Monday night fixture. So I'd like to think they can at least up their game from this, but whether we'll see, um, Milan go on another run of four straight wins like they did at the start of the season um, remains to be seen Roma were away at Young Boys but isn't that only in Switzerland which is mm. closer to Milan than Roma so I don't know what they did in the interim but there you go okay, Vito Milan have obviously been heavily praised and to their credit they have deserved the praise they've been receiving so far this season but this game tonight is that an example of them doing enough to pass what is one of their first bigger tests of the season or is it evidence that they can be got at and that they're a little bit vulnerable well it's very hard to assess because i think uh, you know without saying that it's all Giacomelli's fault i think his refereeing performance ha- tends to influence uh, this particular result and how it really impacted um at the moment, I'm going to say that um, this was one of the decent tests which they managed to do all right in. And uh, although it wasn't vintage Milan, I think uh, it just felt like uh, in some ways Giacomelli wasn't uh, giving Milan enough, um, not so much protection, but it, I got that vibe that it was like he was against AC Milan. Sure, uh, Roma got some calls against them, but... Uh, I think if if you could claim that he was favouring someone, I would say he was favouring Roma more than Milan. So uh, at this stage, I'd say that uh, this was a decent test for the Rossoneri. They managed to come up all right, at least got a point, and uh, we'll see 
what goes on from here on in. But uh, I don't think they're going to start having a slump as yet. I think mm. they'll still be around the top or at the top. Don't don't say nice things to the Milan fans. But yeah, they, they're away at Udinese <laughs> next up. They'll get three points there handily enough. And if not, I'll be rubbing my hands together. <laughs> They've got Verona at home, followed by a trip to Naples on the 22nd of November, which is after the international break, I believe. That's going to be a tasty one because Napoli are second in Serie A. That was Milan's first game dropping points. Napoli didn't drop any points, although it looked like they might for a while in what was the Insignia derby. Roberto obviously scored the opener, then did the halftime interview on the pitch. My first goal of the season or something has come against Lorenzo, and then Lorenzo thought he had equalised, and I can't remember if it was this allowed or what, but then Lorenzo did equalise with an hour gone, and they both got their goals. They took a nice little photo for their mother on the pitch, and it was, it was all very wholesome, Kev. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like Napoli are trolling me after saying that they couldn't break into the top four this year, and um, <laughs> they've been they've been just sort of because this is kind of one of those games where last season when they were struggling at times, particularly at the start of the season before Petuso came in, they would have probably just pulled a point out and not 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 drawn the game. Um, I know you could probably argue that Benevento will struggle for the majority of the season. But at, at times they looked as though they had the better of Napoli in the first half. Um, but it was very, it was very nice to see both brothers score. I, I, I'll admit I was unaware until I watched a uh, a Serie A program go out in the in the UK um, before the game that had uh, Roberto being uh, interviewed, and it was quite nice that he admitted that he was never going to be as good as Lorenzo, but would be doing his best to to get a, a goal that would mean a lot to him, clearly. I had seen Roberto Inglese play before. It was cool as well. It came to a Parma game and when they were in Serie B and he was on loan here from, I think it might have been Napoli, actually, before he went to Benevento, anyway. And they've got a third brother. I don't know if you saw this, but the third brother came out during the week and he said, oh, I'm the, I'm the really talented one. Those other two can't do anything. <laughs> Just quite nice. It's like the... Hazard family. They're all insanely talented footballers. I'm not sure what the third brother does, to be honest, but he's obviously not as good as Lorenzo and Roberto. But anyway, um, I was quite happy, actually, to see the man who got the winner get on the score sheet. It was big Andrea Batania. He's up and running, as he said, in Napolitano dialect on his own Instagram. The bulldozer has returned, Vito. It was a well-taken goal, and I think uh, in that scenario, in the second half, I think Gattuso definitely made the most of his subs. Uh, Victor Ozzyman didn't have one of his best games, and even Dries Mertens wasn't looking quite flash. So to put on Matteo Politano and uh, also Petania, they both combined for the winning goal. And uh, I think it's uh, excellent for the Partenopei if uh, they can have someone come off the bench and do what Petania did because... He's another big body, and he, he can help unsettle defenders. And I think also with the start Ozzyman has had with the Napoli, being able to draw out defenders and really create that presence in attack, um, Petania too can add an extra dimension to the play. And uh, uh, one of the things we were 
not necessarily critical of, or probably just dismayed about that, especially during his Atalanta days, he wasn't scoring enough. He was doing well for the team, but he wasn't putting the ball in the back of the net, but he found his boots at Spal. And uh, if he can keep scoring for Napoli, um, I think Gattuso can be very happy and positive that he's got uh, good options coming off the bench. Yeah, Spal are good for the soul. Spal just make everyone find their best as I rediscovered this weekend. I obviously got to the, the Stadio Palomazzo for some Serie B on Saturday, which I might touch on a little bit later. But Kev, we discussed last week about the the difficulty, if you call it that, that Chukalizano and Insigne might have, or that they might present Gattuso trying to get them into the same team. But they both played and they won. They did... I can't remember the positions though. Did did Insigne play more off of the right? I think Lozano no, it was, was on the Lozano right. Lozano that did. I, I think I was probably then getting he didn't have a great game. that uh, Insigne came off of the right to score the goal, didn't he? After after taking the corner. Um, well, for that yeah. moment, yes. But uh, in general, Insigne was more on the left, and yeah. Lozano he played on the right. But uh, as I was saying earlier, he didn't have one of his best games. Mm. Hence why Politano came on and uh, Matteo Politano, he he looked uh, very bright coming off the bench. He's been quite good actually in the last few weeks and he's not someone we've given credit to. We've been drawn elsewhere with Aussie men and Lozano lighting it up. But I suppose Politano, is, he had a difficult at Inter. I mean, he didn't really work there having Sean with Sassuolo. But now Vito... Politano looks like he could play a really, really important role with the Parthenon player. He does, and he's getting involved in the goals as well. So he scored scored at least one. He's definitely scored against uh, Atalanta, and then he's been involved in other goals. So I think now I wouldn't say he's back to his Sassuolo form, but he's pretty much close to it. And um, having Politano on the right, I think, uh, really adds a bit more extra excitement to Napoli's playing. They've got a lot of flair players already, but with uh, Kayohan, who was there for many years, he was a, a great worker, an effective player, but I wouldn't say he was a flair player, whereas Politano, he does uh, provide a little bit more excitement on the ball, at least for me anyway. So I'm glad that he's finding his boots again. And uh, as I was saying with someone on Twitter, I think the way things are, when it comes to right-wing options for the Italian national team, uh, I probably would rather have someone like Politano on his current form than someone like Federico Chiesa, who has sort of been hot and cold with Fiorentina, and then even at Juve, Look, he's only had a couple of games with the Bianconetti, but I think Chiesa still needs to sort of find his feet and, most importantly, be far more productive. Yeah, well, another option for that right-wing position is someone who played in a game we're going to go on to now. It's nice talking about them this early in the pod because I think they deserve it. Sassuolo, they drew 3-3 with Torino, and Domenico Berardi is the guy I'm talking about. Obviously, I don't know what he did in the first half because I literally couldn't see that far um, I'm sure you both saw my Twitter feed on, on Friday evening uh, oh, was it, it was hard enough watching it on TV so if it was bad on TV I mean being there oh, I couldn't imagine uh, it being that much easier to see it and uh, another thing that surprised me was the commentator Andrew Pickering I was surprised how he managed to 
identify the players as well as he did because I sort of had to see things twice or even three times to see if he actually got his player identification right. Yeah, I was actually meaning to speak to him because he messaged me when I tweeted that I was going there saying he was commentating on the game. I thought, well, good, good luck with that. Because when I was there, the, the cameras are only about 10 feet below the press stand at the map so you can see them. And we had the little monitors beside our seats. When the ball was down my end, so the end Sassuolo attacked in the second half, I could see it more clearly just by looking at the pitch than I could looking at the monitor. But when the ball was at the other end of the pitch, I couldn't see anything over the halfway line. Um, you could see like silhouettes of the Torino players because their shirts were whiter than the fog. The Sassuolo players completely disappeared into the fog and the ball did too. And it was just a complete nightmare. So I had to watch that on the screen. But even then, you're really just watching where the Torino players are to get an idea of where the ball is. It's like I've never experienced anything like that at a match before. And I kind of hope that I don't again. But when it comes to the football, I mean, it was it was like it was scripted because there were there was one goal in the first 70 minutes. And then then there were five in 15. And there was a burst that there was two goals in one minute from Sassuolo late on as they came from 3-1 behind again to escape with a point. But what I want to talk about with Sassuolo is something that I wrote about. It's, it's those Italian boys. I mean, we, we did touch on it a couple of weeks back, but Chicha Caputo, Domenico Baradi and Manuel Locatelli, they just keep staking a claim cow to be in not only... Roberto Mancini's Italy squad, but a real case for making the starting eleven. Yeah, I, I think it's it's not just in Italy where you've seen at some of the the bigger sides in their respective countries uh, rotate or don't give players uh, enough game time that it, it really sort of brings home those that are getting regular football. And a shining sometimes maybe a, a side that are just outside the European places in a league. And if you can get some players that are playing together at, at a club level, surely when you're meeting up at the moment, particularly when you're meeting up, trying to sort of squeeze all these international games in, then it is, it's better to get players that are familiar with, with each other and what they're doing if you're trying to qualify for a tournament or prepare for a, for a tournament. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And particularly with that Berardi and Caputo partnership. I mean, Berardi is someone who we even bemoaned on this podcast for a long time because he never found the consistency that we thought he should from his early days in his career. But since Caputo came in, Berardi's been elevated to another level. Caputo scored 27 goals in his season in Serie B, came up with Empoli, scored like 16 as they got relegated, moved to Sassuolo, scored 21 last season, and he's already on five this season. And since lockdown, nobody in Italy has scored more goals than him. He's got 13. Only Cristiano Ronaldo has as many. Actually, do you know what? Ibra got two tonight, so that might be close now. I wrote this on Saturday so or Sunday, so I don't know. But... In terms of Immobile, he hasn't always delivered. But Kev, you want to jump in on Caputo? Well, yeah, just on just on on players like uh, Caputo and Berardi staying where he is at Sassuolo, and then you see the likes of 
someone like Chiesa or Bernadeschi, you know, you can roll several names off that have started out at lesser clubs in inverted commas and then moved somewhere else. And that lack of game time has really harmed their career, but also the national team where you'd expect them to go on and flourish and become maybe a, a regular, if not within the first 11, but in the squad. And that's the benefit of these players. And these players must realise that's the benefit of staying at, at Sassuolo and getting minutes and showing what they can do regularly, week in, week out, in a, you know, probably a preferred position other than being shoehorned into another huge Antonio Conte squad at Inter or, or anywhere else. Might seem like a bit of a, a flippant point, but a, or a joking point. I promise you it's not. But given the whole football being played behind closed doors again, now, um, even when there was only 1,000 fans in Sassuolo, it still applies. And the European Championship, if it goes ahead next summer, being played without fans or with very, very limited numbers of number of fans. So the fact that these players come from a background of playing for Sassuolo, where there isn't that fan pressure, that fan aggression, when they play at the Mape, even pre-coronavirus that there's not that same environment it's very much relaxed in the stadium it's mostly empty is that something that could actually be beneficial i think it's uh, possible and i think it's uh, makes sense to see things in that way the fact that a play for Sassuolo, which doesn't have a huge fan base even before the pandemic came about and uh playing at a club where there isn't that much uh, expectation to win trophies or be near the very top of Italian football, uh, that might benefit them because they don't have uh, much to lose or they don't have to stress too much. So, you know, if they're not, uh, if the Euros do um, go ahead and uh, they're going to be limited crowds or no crowds at all, then uh, they're still able to play the natural game without uh, being, uh, you know, exposed to any sort of noises in the crowd. If anything, any criticism would be just in uh, print media or social media. It won't be at the crowds, you know, with uh, play, uh, fans just uh, heckling them. Absolutely right. On to you, um, Right. Start with the kits, shall we? Because I'm, I know, I know Kev's going to look at them. Look at him. I know listeners you can't see him, but you can picture what he looks like right now. He's a... I'm not going to finish that sentence, but Juve were wearing their special human race kit, which, do you know what? I'm a big, big fan of. Not a fan of them wearing it in a home game, mind, but Juve wearing that kit was... It wasn't in Turin, was it? It was in Turin. Was it? Where was Juve Verona? It was in Turin. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Um, so this is what happens when teams wear away kits at home. But I'm not a fan of them wearing it at home, but I loved what they did with that kit. And personally, when it comes to Pharrell, I like his designs of things. I think he's quite interesting. But Kev, do you want to go? Well, yeah, firstly, they shouldn't have been wearing it at home. You know, I think we, we, we all agree there is never any need to toss your tradition aside and wear uh, an, an away strip. Uh, I, I was I was previously unaware that any strip had been designed, um, designed for the human race, um, apparently. I don't know how much 
Pharrell doesn't like us uh, as a as a human race. Um, but <laughs> I, oh, it was oh, what can we call it? Can we call it a scribbled? Shirt? Yeah, well, it was the away no. shirt that they wore about five years ago. So okay. the, the concept is Pharrell has been taking designs of Adidas clubs that I don't know he likes, I guess, and just doing a. It's as if a child drew it, right? Like that's yeah. that's what it looks like because the crest isn't clear. It's like it is scribbled, like with a crayon type look. It looks yeah, good. I, I'm not sure. I'm convinced that these are clubs that Pharrell liked. You know, as a little five, six, seven year old, he was he was there. Uh, you know, watching. Oh, I'm not saying he likes the clubs. I'm saying they gave him a back catalogue of their old kits, and he picked the kit that he looked. Yeah, I think he likes working with a certain sportswear manufacturer. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, no, I, 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 I said I was, I was previously unaware of it. The commentator mentioned it, so then it sort of drew it to my attention. I looked at it, and I thought, oh my word! What? I paused the screen, and I sort of turned to to the wife. Everybody knows the wife, and I said, <laughs> "Call her by her name. Come on." Okay, <laughs> we Stace. know her now. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody knows Stace, my wife. <laughs> Turned it to her, I said, look at the state of that. And she went, oh, that's, that's not too bad. I went, that's not a moving picture that has been paused fuzzy. <laughs> and then I can only describe her noise as, oh. And she shared my, she shared, she shared my concern over the general scribble design. I'll leave my elderly rantings there for you <laughs> mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Well, the whole color scheme they had with the pink and stuff, those were Juventus' original colours when they formed in 1897. They only became the Bianconeri until 1903 when someone bought some Notts County kits from the UK. So it is a bit of a throwback to the history. But I'll be honest, with that whole 
designed by Pharrell, I'm sure it's meant to be some symbolic in its own way, and I'm I don't want to take anything away from that. But when I look at the drawing or the design of the jersey for what it is, to me, it actually reminds me of watercoloring. So mm. um, I'm not sure what the incentive is around that or what the connection is, but uh, yeah, it's a bit unconventional to have that sort of look if we're just going to look at it from a design perspective. The whole watercoloring thing, is that going to be like a one-off or are we going to be seeing it more in the future? It just, um, yeah, it's not what I'm used to. It's, I'm pretty sure the idea of it is, like, I know the kits are created from all recycled materials and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's there's a lot of meaning behind it that you probably should look up and read into yourself. I've not done it myself. But, yeah, Pharrell's a fashion designer. So if you're getting a fashion designer to design football shirts, it's what you get. I, I quite like them. I didn't know they were actually going to be worn when I first saw them. And I was kind of drooling over them because they did the, there was one for Manchester United. There was one for Bayern Munich. Did he do an Arsenal one as well, I think? And they all looked pretty good. Well, in my eyes anyway, but I wasn't, didn't know they were going to wear them in a game. But I, I don't know, I'm standing by it. I like them. I've always had a soft spot for pink kits as well, so maybe I'm biased in that way that there's a pink kit and Pharrell's involved, so it's always going to get two thumbs up from me. So there you go. But, I mean, in terms of the football, before we actually talk about this game, I should give a little teaser that if you're listening to this, I'm guessing you like our podcasts. So we've got an extra bonus podcast coming during this week. I spoke to the author of a book about Juventus, Herbie Sykes, he's written a book called Juve, 100 Years of an Italian Football Dynasty. Um, it's quite a big book as well. And we will be giving away one of these in a competition during the week on our social media channel. So keep an eye out for that if you're a Juve fan or not. If you're not, it's not just a, a glowing love story about Juventus. He does talk about the murkier side of things as well. And if you like Juve... He also talks about the nice things. Look, there's a big number 10 on the back. He, he loves Del Piero and stuff. He's lived in Turin for about 20 years. Had a, quite an interesting chat with him about Juve, the history, their impact on Turin, Calabria, everything. So have a listen to that. Keep an eye out for the competition and you could win a copy of that book. Anyway, onto the game. Juve look pretty rubbish, Kev. <laughs> um, and it took uh, Dejan Kulusevski to come off the bench to save them and get them a point. Yeah, a lot like um, Crotone last week. You would probably say the same uh, midweek against Dynamo Kiev, although Kiev were an extremely determined and uh, well-drilled side that, that Juve had to break down. But it all just feels uh, a little flat. Um, we can give some allowances for the fact that Pirlo has only just come into the job. But uh, with the way Milan have started... Um... Can we, though? Can we give allowances for that? Because they appointed him with no coaching experience. So normally if a coach comes in, I'm fair enough to give, cut those allowances, but they hired a coach who'd never taken a training session before. Well, I don't think that's Pirlo's. I don't think we should um, we should hold that against 
against Pirlo, but we should allow him time to get his views across. Um, I, I have bigger issues around somebody like that being able to walk just straight into one of the biggest jobs in, in arguably European football. Um, I know he's done his, his coaching badges and things. And they're, and they're still within touching distance. I think if you were to tell them that they'd have a, a novice manager and be four points off of the top of Syria and still clearly be able to improve once they do hit the ground running, nobody would be too concerned. And, and probably, as we touched upon before, this could be the ideal year to bed in a new coach and still probably win the league. Although I hope to see a bit more of a, uh, a total race amongst maybe more than even two sides this season. It's going to be the top six. Milan, Napoli, Sassuolo, Inter, Juve, Atalanta are gunning for the title this season. One of them will miss out on Europe because Samp will win the Coppa Italia. And it's just going to be mad. It's going to be a great, fun season. Stop talking about Juve. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Right, let's move on. Uh, Vito, come on. We'll, we'll get there. The... The FIF pod derby took place the first of the season in Bergamo where Sampdoria went and Sampdoria whooped Atalanta 3-1. So you must have been beside yourself with happiness after this. Yeah, oh look, I was, not only was I surprised that uh, Sampdoria managed to get the win against Atalanta, but the fact that the Doriani were able to do it in Bergamo. So I think that's an incredible result. Before I start praising Sam's performance, I think we need to point out that Gasparini did not use his first choice wingbacks. Hatterboy and Gozens did not start the game. Freuler did not feature in this game. So I think uh, we're starting to really see from this game and last week's game that Freuler is a big, leaves a big hole in the Atalanta midfield when he's not there. And Palomino still starting. So I think, uh, yeah, he's once again showing his uh, liability. So, Leave him alone. <laughs> Leave him alone, Peter. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah, right. But look, we've been uh, saying about Freuler on the pod for years as well. But yeah. um, Kev, mm. what's that I'm seeing on the on the score sheet for the for the first goal? It's Fabio Quagliare. Well, we got another one. Well, yeah, we got yeah, another one. one you've just mentioned if Palomino had actually gone to. To, to close him down as opposed to joining two other defenders um, dra- dragged into the person that provided the assist. Apologies. I can't remember who. And uh, there you go. Kev, There's if, still time. If Palomino had to close them down, he would have scored twice. That's <laughs> <laughs> what Palomino does. Yeah. <laughs> they, he probably would have just skipped in then onto his, his uh, more favoured right foot. But, yeah, uh, yeah. And it was only Sportiello to beat. So maybe it's, again, it's a conspiracy to get Quagliarella to 15 goals before Yeah, Christmas. I've had a word. I've had a word with the boys in Beckham. I said, lads, do me a favour. I meant the whole of Syria. That's 13, and that 13, you're buying me dinner. 12, I'm buying you dinner. Didn't oh, you say 12 and a half? I think just, we did. Like, you've lost. You're I'm resigned to the fact that I'm buying dinner, but... <laughs> Good. It was a silly bet. It was a silly bet. But look, we kind of just need to move swiftly on. Inter went to Genoa and they won 2 0. We had Dov there. We've not got audio from him, but kind of a a throwback weekend for FA up at the games. I mean, I was at a game on Friday. I was at a game on Saturday. Dov was at a game on Saturday. 
I was at a game on Sunday. Ben was at a game on Sunday, and Dolph was at a game on Sunday. It was six games in, in the weekend. We did very well, but onto that one, Genoa Inter, 2-0 to Inter, Rom Lukaku, Rom, big Rom Lukaku, that's better, and Danilo D'Ambrosio got the goals. Um, Vito, Genoa had one shot on target. No, they didn't. They had one shot, none on target, and 39% possession. What were they doing? Oh, look. <laughs> I did the inter ratings for that game, and in general, it was a terrible game as a spectacle. Um, uh, Intel weren't at their best, but Genoa just looked happy to stay parked in their own half. Um, they offered nothing as a counter-attacking threat. And, um, yeah, um, I think once uh, Nicolo Barella came on, I think that's when we really started to see something from this game. He made a difference. He was involved in Lukaku's goal. And um, and for the second one, uh, it's incredible to think that Andrea Ranocchia got the assist for D'Ambrosio's goal. That was unbelievable. After that Brozovic corner, it was Ranocchia with the flick of the head. And yeah, um, yeah, they got the 2-0 win, so that's good for their ambitions. And uh, next week is the Derby della Lanterna. Mm. Um after the first round, I thought, gee, maybe Genoa actually was probably it's probably been was probably the first time since Gasparini's first spell at Genoa. And I thought, oh, Genoa might actually have a chance of winning the derby. But one month later, it's like uh, things are getting back to normal. You know, I fancy uh, some chances of uh, getting the city bragging rights again. Just don't you don't you be forgetting what happened last time you met in the derby, Peter. Yeah, unfortunately, we lost. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say, I yeah. looked at this Inter team and the first thing that jumped out at me was Kolarov's not playing. Amazing. Conte has <laughs> come to the realisation. And then I said, oh no, Ranocchia's there. Ranocchia, who actually was on the verge of joining Genoa this mm. transfer window. And it was only on deadline day that Conte said, please stay. And he ended up staying, which is just one of the more bizarre transfer stories you'll hear. Um, Lautaro Martinez had a bit of a, a, what can you call it? I don't know what you can call it. He wasn't happy anyway, was he, when he came off the be- on, off and had to sit on the bench, Kev. He has since apologised for his reaction, but there are also whispers from inside his camp that he's starting to get worried that he hasn't scored for a while. Well, wasn't there um, something post-game Conte saying that both Lukaku and Martinez can still improve how they're playing already this season. Um, when you consider some of the goals that Lukaku has contributed yeah. already, um, maybe it's because he doesn't want to ne- necessarily point just the finger That's at Martin. It, though, isn't it? Yeah, blame the, blame the partnership rather than one individual. Um, I'd hate to think that his nose has been put out of joint a little bit by all the transfer rumours last year. It did seem to affect his performances whether he wants to try and get away. Um, obviously, the, the rumours were all centred around Barcelona last season and they are clearly having something of a a restructure there. Not that they've got the money, I would argue, to, yeah. to purchase Martinez. Um, yeah. But hopefully you just you just think that he'll, he'll pull his finger out and maybe get a goal and that will start a bit of a run and... And he'll be off and running again. You would hope so, because he's genuinely a, a very, very exciting player when he gets going. But yeah, I think it very much was a case of Conte 
digging out Lukaku so that Martinez didn't throw the dummy out even more. Like when Ferguson used to want to go mad at Nani, he'd instead go mad at Rooney for something that Nani had done. So Nani would get the message. I kind of got the impression it was it was one of those. But there you go. Inter, three more points in the bag. We'll talk about them more in future weeks. The third game that I was at this weekend was Parma. They came from 2-0 behind to draw 2-2 with Spezia. And, right, this is going to sound ridiculous because Spezia hit the post three times and Spezia should have scored five goals. But Parma should have been out of sight. It was one of the most wasteful performances I've ever seen from a team. And... No wonder that man Gervinho was at the heart of it. I don't know if either of you guys saw anything from this game, but I, my goodness. Yeah, I'm, I, I can't remember how much of the uh, the end of the game I saw, maybe 20, 25 minutes. And I was a little bit surprised to see them behind. But um, from what you're saying, it, it did, for, the, for everything that I watched towards the end of the game, it felt like because they, they were always in control that maybe an equaliser was coming just because it was such a narrow margin that Spezia had over them. Um, yeah. But they certainly had a lot of possession and, and were controlling the game. Yeah, they. I mean, the, the goals they conceded as well, it was basically a three-minute window in the first half where Spezia got two goals ahead. Palmer just momentarily collapsed. Spezia did have their chances, but it was very much Palmer's points lost. The scoreline doesn't really reflect, nor does the the order that the goals came and reflect what actually happened in the game. But Liverani again, turned the fear from a little bit. Like, I mean, he, he's got quite, he has frustrated me and I'm not a part of my fan, but the decisions he's making is what I wrote about for this morning's piece. It's just, he, he's not playing players who should play. He's playing players who shouldn't. And the players who are rightfully selected are getting played out of position. And nobody knows what's going on at the moment and quite telling after the match that when the final whistle went no one was happy despite the fact that they had just scored a stoppage time equaliser there was just a, a bit of a silence and I think everybody knew their next three Serie A games got Inter Fiorentina and Roma and then they make a trip to play Genoa away on the 30th of November and you can't see Parma picking up too many points from those three, three games and if that's the case you find it hard to see Leverani still in a job come the end of November, bearing in mind he was employed by the previous ownership structure. So since he's been employed, they've got new owners in, new sporting. No, the sporting director hired him, but the owners didn't. So you you fear for him. But we've spoken about Palma a lot, so we're not going to do that too much today. Fiorentina with Udinese 3-2. A lot of FIF listeners will be happy to see that. Now we've got a lot of Fiorentina fans and Udinese haters <laughs> amongst us, but um, Gaetano Castro, really, Vito, credit where it's due. We don't always praise him, but he deserves it this week. Oh, clear man in the match. Scored two goals, and he set up the goal for Nikola Milenkovic, so um, it's the kind of performance that he needs. Um, I'd personally love to see more of that from him because he is an exciting midfielder to watch. And again, about the Italian national team, he's another excellent midfield option. So even if he can't break into that trio that's already got 
Marco Verratti, Nicolo Barella and Jorginho. I mean, he's another player that can at least come off the bench. And uh, if he can influence games like this, I think it's a big plus for the Viola as the season progresses. And like I said, just with the national team, if uh, Mancini can have him as an impact sub, I think uh, he, he can be a wonderful player. Yeah, for sure. He definitely has a role to play in that. It's already said of him playing with Berardi and some of those other players with Locatelli behind Chico Kabuto oh, would be beautiful to see. It really, really would. Um, Insigne out on the left as well, obviously. But we'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, Lazio beat Bologna. We're not going to talk about it, though. Sorry, Lazio. Sorry, Lazio fans. Cagliari beat Crotone 4-2. Ben Hughes was at the game, his first game back for FIA at the games this season. And he was very, very happy because he wanted to write about João Pedro. And João Pedro, before the game, was two games off, becoming Cagliari's greatest ever goal scorer. Bearing in mind that club's history as well, particularly with strikers, that's not a bad feat. He got one, so he's the second greatest ever goal scorer. And he's going to take that mantle. So head over to FIF, sportsitalianfootball.com, and read Ben Hughes' piece from the Sardinia Arena on that. Um, but we... Guys... Can we talk about Spal? Um, well, since um, you went to the game in Ferrara, I think it's fair to let you um, talk about the um, latest results in Serie B. Do you know what? I really love the place. I really, really just love going to Ferrara. It's such a good place to watch football. The people are amazing. The club are lovely. Stadium's nice. City's beautiful. And... I don't know, because it was the last place I went before lockdown as well for Spal-Juve, which was a great game. And this was my first time back in Ferrara since. So it was quite nice. Um, although now it was the... Was it the last game? Was that with a fan? No. But that, anyway, it would have been quite weird if that was the case. But it was good. Um, Spal look like they've got everything they need to come back up. It just seems to be a matter of them needing to find confidence. That was their first win of the season. They had flashes where they were excellent, but then other flashes where they couldn't string a pass together. And that basically was determined by whether the fans were on their back or not. Now, without fans, it might play into their hands. But when the fans there are on side, I mean, they're, they're some of the best in Italy. Even with just a thousand people, the atmosphere was, was amazing. Like it's, they're the first club that I've seen actually get a chance going with the restrictions and the social distancing and just the 1,000 fans in. But really good place, really nice club. Let's get back on the Spal train. I know when they were in Serie A, Serie B before they came up to Serie A, we were kind of championing for them to, to come up. So it was nice when they did, and then we got to go there a few times. So come back soon, Spal. Sebastiano Esposito, though, was very bad. I'm sorry to say, I know like a lot of people want to see him do good, but... They're technically a, quite clearly better than most of the players on the pitch. But his positioning was horrendous. He kept calling for the ball and just not being in the right place. And his teammates probably waiting for him to make a run. Yeah, I saw Gazeta gave him a 5.5, which I thought was generous. Because that's kind of their standard. That's just average, not good nor bad. I would have gone 4.5 personally. Uh, <laughs> five at a push. But yeah, he was, he was poor. Really, really poor. But anyway, um, we'll finish talking about that. Hopefully get the spot a few more times this season. Guys, you ready? Um, we still playing the game? Of course we are. And are you bringing a timer? 
Oh. Right, yeah. So oh, thank you for the timer reminder. What are we saying? How much time are we setting aside for this game? 60 seconds or 120? For the game? Seconds. Yeah. You think... Vito liked it as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Two minutes um, I'm winning every week. <laughs> we'll as go long as it's not five three minutes. And a, uh, three and a half I'll just minutes. say that. Three and a half minutes. Okay. Great. Who won last week? I won last week. <laughs> yes, right. So I'm going to have to... I've got a pen lid in my hand. You won the week before, Kev, so you can choose the hand, and if you get the pen lid, then you go first. My left hand or my right hand? Your left hand, Connor. Okay, you got the pen lid, so you can go first. All right, let's, let's get this over with, shall we? The time starts when you start asking the first question. Don't do it. Don't do it. Is it Bruno Alves? It's not Bruno <laughs> Alves. Over to you, Vito. Okay, is this player Italian? He's not Italian. No, back to you, Kev. Do they play in the north of Italy? They do not play in the north of Italy, Vito. Okay, is this club um, from the south of Rome? The south of Rome? Like yeah, south within of Rome. The, so the city of Rome, but the south of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, just yeah. there are southern Rome Italian clubs. South... All right, let me rephrase that. Is it no? There are southern or... Italian club. There you go. Yeah. All right. Fine. Okay. All right. Is this player from Napoli then? Nope. Uh, are they from uh, Benevento? Yes. Right. Um, Come on. You've got two minutes and thirty-five seconds. Uh, is it Roberto Insigne? It's not Roberto Insigne. That would have been okay. too obvious, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a non-Italian. So okay. Oh yeah. Uh, just... oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Position-wise, is this player midfielder? He's not a midfielder. God, um, I can't even think. I'm not. Uh, so I think it... you might not know about him. Like, is you'll it, know of him, but you might not know that he's there. Is it a goalkeeper? No, it's not a goalkeeper. All right. I'm going to... Is it Camel Glick? Yeah, it's Camel Glick. There <gasps> you go. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I did know. Uh, yes. Because I, 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 somebody asked me about him, and I thought he was still at Monaco. <laughs> there you go. So I was right. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, through me um, was... We decided last week that we were having North, South, or Central Italy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vito throws out South of Rome. No, because it was the, it was the wording of the question that made yeah. it seem like he meant like, is he from the South of Rome, like a uh, little fucking quartiere in the South of the city? So, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, there because you, you said you last week, you know. <laughs> We sort of divide it that way because, yeah, based on the maps that I learned growing up, as I was explaining, anything from what I learned was anything above Tuscany and Marche was north and anything below Lazio and Abruzzo was south. So that's how I looked at it. Yeah. The scores anyway. are Vito 2, Kev 2, Connor 1. It's absolutely scandalous that I even have a point. These are still a disgrace for letting I get to this point. <laughs> but... Um, 
before we wrap up, listeners, I will just give you another reminder to to recheck your podcast feed during this week because we will have that extra pod going up. It's probably going to be about a 30-minute long conversation. Um, it was about that anyway, and it's, it's a really good chat. If you like Juventus or don't like Juventus, it's worth listening to um, because you'll get a bit of both, I think. I think. Anyway, and it's not me hating on Juve. I just ask the questions. Remember that. This guy knows everything about the club, so don't at me. <laughs> um, Kev, say goodbye. Ciao, ciao, everybody. Vito, say ciao. Ciao. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. Speak to you soon. happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer budget-friendly flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment the plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals so for whatever tomorrow brings united healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you learn more at uh1.com
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 